presiding judge, sorry, presiding judge Hank Steinhaus said the case. It sounded file, like another Ukrainian name. Your mispronunciation <laughs> of presiding. Yeah, I did so well with the Ukrainian names, and I came yeah. stuck with, a, with an English phrase. So so often the way. It's Friday, June the 11th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Darach, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Tauchmigrant van der Richel, and with me today is Paul Peters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering and Oranje Courts victim. Yeah, you're a Tauch migrant indeed, yeah, so yes. uh, Geert Wilders must really hate you. I'm sure if he knew who I was, he would absolutely despise me. Yeah. Are, um, aren't you so, blocked on Twitter by Geert Wilders? Oh, I'm, yeah, but everybody yeah. is. I mean, that doesn't say it. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you, you, you must be as well, right? Yeah, I, I was blocked once and then he unblocked me once, uh, which <laughs> was really surprising. Uh, yeah. But I'm blocked again. So, uh, yeah, I'm, All right. uh, I'm back to... Uh, uh, I'm I'm part of the mortals uh, again. Yeah, 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 part of the regular mortals. I'm I'm blocked on one of my accounts, but not the other. Ah, but, um, but so well. he, he obviously doesn't. Uh, yeah, he hasn't caught up with that. No, you need to do more. Interesting. You, you do. You need to do uh, a, a better job on your second account. Well, no, it's then. useful because if everyone's if, if everyone's screen grab one of his tweets, I've got an account I can do that from, but I don't actually get them in my feed. So it's like it's perfect, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, but, but, but this refers to the fact that uh, uh, Wilders came out uh, with a big tirade against journalists at the weekend because NSA had the had the nerve and the temerity <laughs> to uh, publish uh, details of uh, how Dion Kraus is, is, is an appalling sex pest and, yeah. and stalker. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. which is not going to go down with Kurt, well with Kurt Wilders. No, he called him. Um, uh, uh, yeah, in that article, um, uh, NSA also quoted uh, from internal communication between the two of them, and Geert Wilders called um, uh, Dion Graus uh, his friend. Uh, yeah. You have nothing to worry about. Um, uh, we knights support each other. They call themselves knights. Yeah, which is yeah, uh, which is a weird uh, way to call each other. But they regard themselves uh, as knights from from Limburg. And yeah, uh, it's, 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 I guess the way that the, the lot of kind of backstreet racists on Twitter tend to t- tend to uh, style themselves as a medieval people interested in the medieval yeah. era. It's one of those curiosities. Crusaders, you know, yeah, stuff crusaders, like knights, uh, yeah, guys going around in white robes. Yeah, uh, they really begin. They really begin to that. But yeah, yeah. yeah, but, but, yeah. but what was interesting about that was that um, uh, the point where Kit Wilders said that was where I think the the, the assistant who is now accusing Dion Kraus of uh, sexual assault. Um, had, uh, had, 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 had gone to Wilders, obviously as Wilders as leader of the party, and said to him, you know, and, 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 and disclosed uh, what she said, what she claimed that uh, Dion Kraus had done. And uh, he said, uh, that, that's absolutely fine. You can, uh, you, you can rely on me to keep this confidential. And immediately then, um, Wilders uh, yeah. messaged Kraus and gave him the full details and said, um, you're my friend. I've got nothing with her. I'm quite happy. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you everything she said. So yeah, yeah, very terrible, yeah. Yeah, so so as an employer or as yeah, as a, as a person in a position of trust, he's abusing that trust yeah. uh, to, to 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 do his, to do his friends a favor and his friends who are accused of a uh, yeah, what what is yeah, a, a very serious crime um, yeah. that he should that he should be invested should be investigating and he refuses to. Yeah, so yeah, very appalling indeed. And then yeah. um, uh, Geert is called uh, journalists, uh, n- not the journalists of NRC, but journalism in general. Uh, yeah. th- he called them Tuig van der Richel, which basically means um, 
Scum of the Earth. Scum of the Earth, is, yeah. Uh, yeah what you um, say. Which is a... Um, a Trumpian uh, tactic, right? And uh, I, I, you know, the the problem here is that on the one hand, you need to speak out against this if if a politician attacks uh, journalism and the freedom of the press in such a way. But on the other hand, the the attention is what he wants, right? It is his modus operandi to uh, attack institutions uh, such as uh, the rule of law and judges and parliament, which he also called a fake parliament in the past. Mm. And 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 journalism is also one of these. Uh, uh, institutions that are often attacked by right-wing uh, populists. So on the on the one hand, you you don't want to spend too much, uh, 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 give it too much attention. But on the other hand, you 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 really have to speak out against it because you know it is uh, it is an attack on on, on one of our uh, main freedoms. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a, and he's the leader of what's what he calls the party for freedom. Yeah. So then, if you turn around and you undermine the freedom of the press, which is one of the you know, yeah one of the foundations of democracy, then that's something that needs to be condemned. But you're right. I mean, the, 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 this uh, this comes around to that classic dilemma you have. Um, if yeah, if, if you give it too much attention, you're playing the populist game. Um, and of course, it's a deflecting tactic. He wants people to stop talking about Dion Kraus because there are very serious allegations of Don Steele Krauss and it's got serious consequences for his party. And so he wants to turn it around and um, yeah, throw the spotlight back onto the journalists and say they're the problem, not the fact that, you know, my second in command, one of my most trusted MPs, um, yeah, uh, beats up women and um, pays them to have sex with their bodyguards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> disturbing. And it's also, um, uh, uh, this, this NSA article also showed another interesting thing, and that is that uh, Kadisha Arip, the former chair of the Tweede Kamer, she um, uh, basically couldn't do anything about uh, these allegations, uh, but she did um, uh, uh, yeah, force Dion Kraus not to walk around in the Tweede Kamer building anymore, only to show up for uh, uh, to vote. Um, uh, and when um, Vera Bergkamp uh, took over the chairmanship, uh, apparently the two of them never communicated with each other because uh, Vera yeah. Bergkamp was unaware of, of these uh, these actions and these sanctions that uh, Kadisha Arip had taken against uh, uh, Dion Kraus. So that was also uh, yeah very interesting to uh, to to note. Yeah, and it was, it was a very you know uh, bold and commendable move by Kadisha Arip on the one hand, but on the other hand, it shows up how unsatisfactory the whole situation yeah. is because this ban that she imposed on Dion Kraus actually had no force. No. So when someone else took over the chairmanship, it, it, it expired because it was a, per, a personal move by um, by Katisha Arib, and it just shows again that you know, the, the trader Kama is this. It's very hard to um, know how, how you deal with um, you know, with this kind of situation um, in in the trader Kama because MPs uh, are basically free agents. You yeah. know, but they're not employed by the trader Kama. They're employed by their parties. They have the position they are because they're elected by the people. And so, who stands above them? Who is there yeah, to discipline nobody. them? Yeah. There is no, there's no HR uh, uh, protocol you can you can uh, exactly. employ on them. And uh, also, they are elected uh, representatives, so they have some sort of parliamentary immunity as well. And uh, yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, it's uh, something needs to be done against this. I think. Yeah, that's, uh, and of that's, course, there've been attempts as well. Yeah, and of course, there've been attempts by part, uh, in in the past by some parties to start an inquiry into, you know, um, uh, inappropriate contact and um, in, uh, by MPs or uh, against trader camera staff. But it's always run aground because some parties have said um, that, that, that have objected to it, including, of course, the PFFA, the Builders Party, yeah. but also the Fefe Day, yeah. um, the, the you know the Margaret's Party. SP as well. So, yeah. The SP too. 
Yeah. But from what I uh, from what I understood yesterday evening, I wrote an article where uh, which suggests that uh, there is a majority coming up to uh, to 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 have this change. So perhaps uh, this is uh, 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 perhaps change will come finally. Yeah, yeah. But uh, on a lighter note, Paul, the uh, the football starting, and you seem to have been swept away already on this tide of uh, Aronia f- um, fever before a ball's even been kicked. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but I don't <laughs> feel like um, uh, the uh, European Championship is um, uh, uh, is a real thing right now. I mean, I'm now watching a video, by the way, of a complete street me- uh, uh, decorated in orange flags and with orange banners. But uh, when I walk around, I don't see that too often. So uh, I came to my surprise, I found out uh, last week that the championship was already starting on Friday, isn't it? Today? Friday, yes, today. Today, today Friday. yeah. Yeah. Um, usually, you know, I'm not a huge football fan, but I uh, follow the European Championships and the World Championships. Uh, I, I do follow those. Uh, but this time, I don't have a feeling it is a real thing right now in the Netherlands, even though normally Oranje Courts would, uh, uh, you know, would strike the country um, in a in a pandemic fashion. But yeah. I was uh, how how I noticed the AK was coming up was when I uh, went to do groceries when I went to the Albert Heijn, not the Jumbo, the Albert Heijn, uh, uh-huh, and I yes. noticed uh, a lot the of the official orange, sponsor of the tournament, the which Heijn, is the so. official uh, <laughs> sponsor of the to- uh, tournament. Um, I noticed a lot of orange products, including orange uh, toilet paper, mm-hmm. uh, which I do not know why you w- would want to have orange toilet papers, and I saw a bag of completely orange M&M's and I think this is the first time I encountered a bag of M&M's with only one color right and I (laughs) preferred the blue M&M's so I'm sure you did I am a little bit mad because I was always told that it was impossible to have a bag with only one color and now they have one with with the color orange even though it's the it's the wrong color in my taste so uh, yeah (laughs) I was annoyed by that yeah they were also quite expensive, I have to say. <laughs> I bet that, yes. Uh, I'm not surprised that uh, they are a big rip-off. Uh, and there is this um, uh, this street uh, about a guy in The Hague who um, decorated his entire street in orange. They yeah. have 30 kilometers uh, of orange flags hanging in their street. Yeah, that was... Uh, oh, ah, yeah, now I see what you're doing. <laughs> That's the same street, yeah. That is probably the street, yeah. It's a famous street. They do it for, it's a street in Scheveningen, right? Ah, and yeah. every, they do it for every single tournament. Um, yeah. I've, 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 I've put it up as my background, I guess I should say, for the purpose of the tape. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> I just see it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah but totally. they have like orange flags going across the street, down the street. They've tied flags into drains. They're yeah. like literally every, everywhere you go. And every front door has got um, orange curtains. Yeah, uh, outside. But uh, yeah, imagine if you were the one person living in that street who hated football. I mean, what would you do? Would you just move out for the for the month? Or, I you know? I think I would move out for the month. I I would um, I would not be that asshole. That one house that that isn't uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know decorated in orange. I would allow them to hang flags on my on my uh, facade on the one condition that they take it off afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that is. Uh, going to happen but uh yeah yeah there, there are one or two streets you see around the country uh including that one in Scavenninger, which which are just uh, a sea of orange for the next uh well for, for, for it's not the sea of how long orange, they it's st- a tsunami of orange <laughs> it's a tsunami of orange yeah it just depends on how long they stay in the tournament i guess <laughs> yeah but anyway literally everywhere you look up down left right yeah, you just see orange insane. everywhere yeah yeah speaking of being, being overwhelmed by orange things uh what is the op for the week uh, this week paul 
The offer for the week comes from Facebook, where 71-year-old Dutch celebrity Viola Holt expressed her concerns that magnetism caused by COVID-19 vaccines might be contagious. Viola Holt is a TV presenter who has been on television basically since television started. I think everyone above the age of 35 in the Netherlands will know her. I think below that mm. it is a little bit, uh, she's a little bit less well known, I think. Uh, okay. But she's best known for presenting the Oprah Winfrey show ripoff, The Vijf Uur Show. Uh, and uh, recently she became a uh, Reiki master. And she also claims to be able to heal people and animals remotely, which is the opposite of Reiki, right? Yeah, I yeah. thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Reiki is, is kind of about close contact, really. Yeah. So, yeah, that's as uh, much as I know about anything about it, which is nothing. No, yeah, <laughs> I only know that it is healing, and like you, you it's put kind of laying on hands, some some it, yeah. aching area, and then all of a sudden it disappears. I thought that was what Reiki is. Mm. Um, and there's also another fun fact about Viola Holt: the best-sold Playboy issue in the Netherlands was with her on the cover in the 1980s. Mm. In her Facebook post, uh, Holt wrote that a friend who visited her showed her that metal objects stuck to her skin. Holt tried it herself, and indeed, the same thing happened to her. The problem was, though, that while they had read that vaccines could cause magnetism, both women weren't vaccinated, which made them wonder if magnetism might be contagious. Mm. I only hugged two vaccinated persons, but from now on I will keep a safe distance from them, she said. Countless jokes were made on the internet by people who often lose their keys, wishing that this was true, and others were wondering if Yuri Geller might have been vaccinated several decades ago. Uh, Viola Holt has uh, deleted her Facebook post, uh, oh. by the way. Oh, right. Isn't it, isn't it funny yeah. that uh, uh, the, the, the pandemic deniers are now yeah. calling on uh, keeping so, you know social distancing from from, from other people and uh, uh, wondering if stuff might be contagious i mean it's yeah. just, isn't it's it funny just that, yeah. uh, the, the most yeah. ironic thing yeah and then they've been saying for a whole year that uh, the, 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 that um, the disease hardly kills anybody it only kills yeah. like 0.2% or something and now it turns out the vaccine i think one person has died or so maybe three people something have died like out that. of 11 Six million fake people and, at and least, that's yeah. that, that's an unacceptable death rate so, yeah, it's yeah. just a, uh, a bit of a problem with basic uh, basic maths and multiplication division yeah. here. Um, but yeah, 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 it is kind of ironic. Uh, you, you, you get all this, um, uh, yeah, all, all these anti-vaxxers now saying they won't go in the same swimming pool yeah. even as somebody who's been vaccinated because yeah. they're worried it will somehow travel through the water. Yeah, and also this so, magnetism thing with with uh, metal objects uh, st- sticking to your to your skin. That, li- that often that's literally it sticks because you know you're sweaty and uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 th- there's other stuff on your skin. So if you yeah. clean your skin and try it again, then often it doesn't happen. But <laughs> magically, it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. somebody brought this up in a congressional hearing in the U.S. Uh, yeah. the, the, the weekend, and uh, she said, "Look at this. Uh, my uh, <laughs> my pendant sticks to my chest, and she sort of stuck it to you know just below her neck, and then and it it sure enough, it stuck. And then she said, "Look, is it?" Is it, is it, is it sticks to my ear as well and yeah. she put it next to her ear and it just <laughs> fell off <laughs> and then she tried yeah. it three times and it didn't yeah. work and then yeah. she sort of yeah uh, just stopped talking at that point beautiful stuff <laughs> yeah this week coronavirus restrictions are eased further as infections plummet the netherlands gears up for its first summer football tournament in seven years and the mh17 trial finally gets underway and we'll tell you how a family turned the tables on a pair of whatsapp fraudsters so the last time the Netherlands was participating in a uh, international tournament was seven years ago. 
Yeah. So six and a half years, I was, I was, uh, you know, as you often do, you go to a social gathering or or on a market square, you're going to watch a football match together with everyone. And I was always the only person I was like the, 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 that person in the street in the Hague that uh, I I didn't have any orange. (laughs) So I was the only person everywhere that wasn't wearing anything orange. So at one point I thought, well, this is going to end. I'm going to buy an orange shirt, uh, which I did six and a half years ago but i didn't couldn't mm. use it for 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 another <laughs> six and a half years so it's still in my closet in the in the plastic wrapping because i so, never used it yeah so, so are you are you going to get out of this wrapping on sunday for the first match uh no no <laughs> i mean in this pandemic yeah. i can't possibly go to a social gathering yeah but you can still wear it in your own uh you know, you know while you're watching the football on your own tv that's right but i'm yourself. probably not going to you're probably not going to bother no. yeah yeah you're like the person who buys a sledge after it snows and yeah. it doesn't snow again for another 10 years <laughs> yeah that happened to you right <laughs> that happened to me exactly yeah. Yeah. and i finally got to i finally got to use the sledge this year and i was delighted so maybe you should just wear the shirt just for yeah, yeah. D- just because you finally can The government is considering relaxing some coronavirus restrictions earlier than planned. The next step in lifting the lockdown is due to be taken on June the 30th. That's when the number of guests you're allowed at home goes up from four to eight. Outdoor events can start up again, and there'll be fewer limits on numbers in restaurants, museums, theatres and cinemas. But ministers have hinted that some changes, particularly the rule on house guests, could have come into effect on the 26th. That may not be unrelated to the fact that a certain football tournament is going ahead and there's already been a lot of pressure from bar owners and fans to let the games be shown on big screens. June the 26th is the provisional date for the Dutch to play their second round match if they get through the group stage, but we'll get into all that later in the podcast. So uh, the numbers are looking better again? Yeah, much better. In fact, it's going remarkably well at the moment. I mean, we've seen the numbers drop by about 35% in the last week, and that's come down to less than, I think now about 1,700 infections uh, on average in the last week, and less than 7% of total tests now are positive. Uh, so, yeah, it's really hmm. uh, um, really picked up speed this week, um, surprisingly. I mean, last week we were talking about maybe sort of coming down by about 20 25%, and that seemed quite good, but it's actually accelerated. But the demand for uh, for testing is also going down, right? I mean, I noticed yeah. in Delft that the the testing facility where I went uh, when I got my first test and my only test uh, was already closed down. Right. Yeah, that's not surprising. But but you see that the, the positive test rate is also going down. So mm. it's not that we're we're having the numbers going down because fewer people are being tested. I mean, the, the fewer people are tested because fewer people are getting infected. Hmm. Um, so you, and you see that in all the figures across the board <clears throat> and including the hospital figures um, which are looking much healthier uh, than they have done for months uh, there's just over 800 people now in hospital with COVID-19 and fewer than 300 in intensive care so yeah the vaccination really seems to be working um, yeah. about 11 million vaccine doses now and around 22% are fully vaccinated yeah and I heard that uh, yesterday um, 1.41 uh, people in 100 uh, got vaccinated uh, in yeah. the Netherlands and that was a, a record in the Netherlands but also worldwide because at the height of the um, uh, 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 it, it was faster it was a, a higher rate than uh, than the UK or the US ever ever reached so um, w- you know it took a while for us to get yeah. there uh, but uh, if it's um, up to steam then we can uh, we can uh, vaccinate uh, efficiently and uh, and quite rapidly yeah, I mean, it's still a mystery to me why it's taken so long. You know, yeah. I always thought that vaccination was one of the things that uh, the Dutch system really excelled at. Yeah. Know, with, with all the kind of 
your regular childhood vaccinations uh, run like clockwork. You get constant. I got constant reminders for my children to get after we moved here to get them vaccinated, and the RAVM really seemed to be on top of who hadn't hadn't got their vaccines. Um, for some reason, that system didn't really function for a couple of months um, when they started with the coronavirus vaccinations. But it's very good to see it's finally working now. Yeah, yeah, it's probably yeah. If if Hugo de Jonge uh, spent less time uh, buying face masks from uh, from questionable uh, people uh, from the media and uh, spent more time uh, actually arranging these vaccines to come to the Netherlands, then yeah, m- maybe we could have uh, been faster. Yeah. Um, is there also some news on uh, traveling this summer? Uh, yes. I mean, f- first of all, the uh, c- um, uh, the government is hoping to get the um, uh, the Corona passport, the digital passport, up and running by July the first. Um, from the twenty third of June, the Corona Check app. Uh, have you got this? Uh, this is not the Corona um, Melda app. This is the Corona Check app. Another one. <laughs> There's, an, there's another one, yeah, as Brenda from Bristol famously answered. <laughs> yeah, there's another Corona app. Uh, I, I, I tried to perfect my Brenda from Bristol impersonation. <laughs> another I one? I did a good job, yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. Um, um, yeah, yeah so, so, so the Corona Check app um, is the one that um, basically did, it doesn't tell you whether or not you've been uh, close to an infected person. That's Corona Melda. The Corona Check tells you what your Corona status is right now. So whether you've had a recent positive or negative test. Oh, yeah. um, and it will now also, from the 23rd of June, include details of whether or not being, you've been vaccinated and whether you've been fully mm. vaccinated. So then uh, that will allow you to go to outdoor events without needing to take a test. If you can flash your screen and say, look, I've had my vaccines. And also from July the 1st, they hope they'll uh, be able to connect that to the Euro- European Union's vaccine passport network so that you can cross the border without it, needing a uh, test. Uh, since everything is going so well with these apps, I uh, suspect that Hugo de Jonge has nothing to do with the development yeah. of them. I suspect that neither Hugo de Jonge nor Sievert van Linden um, yeah. have, uh, have been anywhere near these things. Because <laughs> yeah. it all seems to be going much more swimmingly. Uh, and of course, uh, yeah. And the other thing is that several countries have um, you know, have come out of the orange zone um, uh, just as the football starts, ironically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully there so, will be only one country in the orange zone uh, the coming weeks, and that's the Netherlands. Yeah, the rest yeah. can uh, get out of it. Yeah, Yeah, indeed. Uh, but yeah, but, but, well, uh, North Macedonia is going to be orange. Uh, it gets orange beating on Sunday, right? Right. Uh, Ukraine. They play Ukraine Oh, first. Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, North so, Macedonia is also coming up, right, at some point? North, yeah, the, the North Macedonia are in the Dutch group, or, yeah, all right, along, so, with, along with Austria. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, and Austria is one of the countries that is now uh, yellow on the uh, foreign ministry's uh, chart. Uh, mm. So that, that so that if you if you travel to Austria or Germany um, or some parts of Italy, you no longer need to take a test or quarantine before you come home. Okay, so Austria finally unschlussed uh, the yellow countries. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Germany and Austria together. Oh, is, well, uh, <laughs> always a nice combination. These two. Yeah, they, they, they always seem to you know, seem to march in step. Uh, there were rumours that Norway would be added uh, to the list, but the government decided not to because uh, Norway still has very strict rules for people coming in, which I didn't think was that was the purpose of the um, the Foreign Office list. I thought it was more about whether countries were safe safe to go to or not. But anyway, yeah. Now come to think of it, Italy is also part of the yellow list, right? So it's it's, yeah. it's the, the three of them that's uh, that <laughs> joined together. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess in a couple of years, Italy will come off again yeah. and, uh, and, and join <laughs> join the rest of Europe. Uh, France has also opened up to fully vaccinated tourists uh, as of this week, uh, but uh, again, it is still on the Dutch orange list. So you can go to France. If you're vaccinated, you can go to France without taking a test, but you'll need to take one before you come home. Hmm. And you also need to quarantine for at least five days, don't you? 
yes, you should quarantine for yeah. at least five days, um, and then you, do, you, sh- you sh- should take a test on day five. Um, and if that is negative, you can come out. Otherwise, you have to stay in quarantine for another five days. It is. It's, it's not a compulsory quarantine from an orange country. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, but only from a red country. So you can't get a fine if you break your quarantine. All right. And there's also not some good news uh, if you want to visit the UK, right? Uh, no, because uh, infections there have started to rise exponentially again. Um, mm. They're going up by around sixty uh, percent a week, sixty six zero at the moment. Uh, oh, wow. So not good. Uh, the Delta variant, uh, first sequence in India, um, which uh, up until now we've been calling the Indian variant, uh, has now been it has really taken a foothold there, especially in the northwest of England and parts of Scotland. Um, and in the last week, we've also started to see hospital cases go up in Britain. So. Not looking good at all. Um, so far, according to the RIVM, there's only been a handful of cases of the Delta variant here in the Netherlands. But, I mean, I think it's pretty much inevitable we're going to get it at some point. Yeah. And the best we can do is just delay it and hope that in the meantime, we've got enough people vaccinated um, to uh, protect us. But um, I, I think this is quite worrying because, you know, the UK is further ahead on vaccination than we are. And yet yeah. they're still seeing this big rise in infections in some parts of the country. And also now more people going into hospital. Yeah, very worrying indeed. Yeah, yeah, and all the more reason just basically to 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 keep vaccinating, keep up the pace. It's all. It's almost my turn. It's only a matter of days. It is. Yeah, because yeah. uh, last night the yeah, the nineteen ninety got the got the go ahead. Yeah. So you can't you can't be far off. We are 12 weeks away from the general election and still there is no sight of a next coalition. As we predicted last week, informateur Marietta Hamer indeed requested an extension of her deadline. Uh, she, was to rep- she was supposed to report to the Tweede Kamer about her findings and recommendations on how to move the negotiations of the next cabinet forward uh, on f- uh, Sunday, but the formation process has reached an impasse after CDA leader Wopke Hoekstra said no to D66 leader Sigrid Kaar's preferred combination. VVD leader Mark Rutte was quick to join Hoekstra, who strongly opposes uh, joining a coalition with both GroenLinks and PvdA, while these parties refuse to step on board without each other. The next option, a continuation of the current coalition, which did win a majority in the Tweede Kamer, is blocked by Kaag and ChristenUnie leader Gert-Jan Segers, who do not see themselves together in a new coalition, mostly because of their disagreements on medical ethical issues. Hamer, who celebrated her birthday on Tuesday and arranged cake in the Stadthouderskamer, invited the political leaders back to yet another round of talks during the week, after which all leaders basically repeated what they've been saying for weeks. On Thursday, Hamer spoke to the leaders in duos who do not want to work together. These were Jesse Klaver of GroenLinks and Wopke uh, Hoekstra, uh, Gertjan Segers and Kaag, and finally Lilianne Ploemen of PvdA and Mark Rutte. So this is a kind of a celebrity death match that yeah. they're, they're now set up for the yeah yeah because the roundtable talks haven't worked. Uh, she, she's had a circle party with cake that hasn't broken yeah. the ice nope. either, either, yeah. and now it's just kind of head to head. So she's picked the two. Um, yeah, she pet pairs of parties that are furthest apart from each other and uh, basically try to bash their heads together, right? Yeah, indeed. Uh, and hopefully find some middle ground. But if that was uh, uh, what she was planning uh, to do, if, the, if she wanted to bring them closer together, she seems to have failed because, again, all leaders repeated their standpoint. Uh, Rutte and Hoekstra both want one left-wing party uh, at the most, while GroenLinks and PvdA will not join without each other. Yeah, so it's a real deadlock at the moment. I guess what she's, what was interesting here was that she, she picked on, uh, in each pairing you had one of the motorblock parties, which are the three parties that we basically all think are indispensable yeah. for the next coalition, and one of the parties um, that they want to 
that would complete the quartet because they yeah. need a fourth party for a majority. Yeah. And yet you got this impasse where Christian Uni would make up the numbers, but they don't want. But Dejas and Zessa don't want them. Um, uh, either Payfidia or Hoon Links would also make up the numbers, but they insist on going in together, and that um, is blocked at the moment by the Blokiefries himself, Vopka yeah. um, <laughs> Hoekstra, and also Mark Rutter. So yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to know who's. I mean, who's going to blink? Do you think? Who, who, who's your money on? Um, yeah, I, I, honestly, I don't know at this point. Um, yeah. uh, 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 did uh, wasn't what Wopkoosa did wasn't very tactical because by openly opposing the idea of having these two left-wing parties in a coalition, he only brought them together closer, and now they are mm. holding on to each other ever tighter than they did before. So uh, you're not going. To, I mean, what are the, what are Sadi, what are and um, uh, PvdA are going to do if they back down and they uh, uh, agree on, on only uh, having one left-wing party, then they would have given in to to Wopke Hoekstra, and that would be actually quite humiliating for them because they they are they are doing what Wopke Hoekstra are, is telling them to do. So yeah. I don't see that happening. Um, my bet would be that this impasse could not be broken, and that. Uh, Christenuni, uh, uh, you know, would take responsibility, as they would put it, probably, and step mm-hmm. in. But that would mean that they would have to do a lot of concessions uh, in order to please Deza's sister. Uh, probably so many concessions that, uh, you know, it will not work, uh, these negotiations. So, um, actually, I think the most likely scenario right now might be a, a minority cabinet of these three mm-hmm. parties. Uh, which is only 73 seats. Uh, they need 76 for majority, so it's not that unworkable a situation. Yeah. Um, but that would be my guess because I I just don't see how how these other parties would would uh, would be able to break this impasse that we have right now. And also, what's also interesting, we 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 uh, they they all spoke about changing the administrative culture, right? And that um, uh, too much. Uh, decisions were made in these coalition agreements on Monday morning between uh, senior members of the cabinet as well as uh, political leaders. Um, We had that because we had a coalition of four parties, which is just uh, almost impossible to hold together if you have four parties, especially if they are so far apart yeah. from each other. But if you, the the preferred coalition right now seems to be for some, from some of these parties to have this five-party coalition, how are you going to uh, keep them together without these sort of informal meetings between them? Um, uh, so I don't see how you can have a change of administrative culture and a five-party coalition. I, I just yeah. don't see that happening. Yeah, and one of the criticisms as well of the last coalition was that because you had four parties, um, they had this very detailed, exhaustively, exhaustively detailed um, coalition agreement uh, yeah. because all the parties wanted to make sure, you know, it was dichotimet is the phrase you kept seeing in the Dutch media. It was it was nailed down. Um, so there was all disagreements were basically sort of settled before the coalition even took office. And that yeah. limited the ability of parliament uh, to influence uh, the decision making and the, and the legislation. And maybe if you had a minority coalition, perhaps the, you know, um, with like an informal agreement to Hadokenstruksi with the other two parties, then that yeah. would be a more open um, arrangement that was more flexible and more in tune with, you know, what people have been been demanding in terms of this change of culture. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be um, in terms of uh, changing the administrative culture. I think a minority cabinet and such a small minority, quite a large minority cabinet, I have to say, uh, that would be uh, that would be the best option, I think. Yeah, because that would force 
uh, uh, um, well, it could also force these talks to 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 the back rooms, right? To the achterkamertjes um, yeah. with other parties. So yeah, it's, it might it might be beneficial for the for the for new administrative culture, but it could also mean that we will have Kees van der Staaij sitting in the back seat with Margrethe again, uh, trying mm. to uh, uh, find support for for um, for cabinet policies. So yeah, I, it, it can go both ways. That is true. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, yeah, coming back to Vodka Hoekstrak, as he seems to be the big, uh, the, uh, the biggest block on progress at the moment, and he doesn't have his troubles to seek in his own party either, of course, because uh, we had this, uh, yeah, this this memo from Peter Omzicht uh, leaked on Thursday night, which. Uh, it was described as quite explosive. Yeah, quite uh, quite explosive and devastating indeed. Um, um, CDA MP uh, Peter Omzicht is currently sick at home because of overwork, but he spent his uh, resting time, recovery time, writing a, a 76-page memo uh, <laughs> for the CDA's Evaluation Election Campaign Committee, um, yeah. in which he outlined everything that is wrong with his party, uh, according to him. Um, the Omzicht papers, as it is already dubbed, was supposed mm-hmm. to be confidential, but, you know, naturally it leaked to the press on Thursday and uh, you know it could be a potential bomb under his party and also the formation process um, and just as it seemed uh, at the time that the Christian Democrats seemed to finally got back to quieter waters after what was quite a tumultuous election period um, Omtzigt uh, describes in his uh, memo uh, irregularities that he had seen in the CDA's leadership election, uh, which he narrowly lost from Hugo de Jonge. And he also said that these were ignored by his party. After de Jonge stepped down uh, as leader, because he uh, realized that handling a pandemic demands a lot of time from a health minister, it was finance minister Wopke Hoekstra who became the new leader, even though, as Omtzigt put it in his memo, he was promised a job, um, which seems to be a natural thing, right? Because he was the runner-up of this yeah. leadership election he he lost with only uh, less than a percent uh, difference i believe in in uh, in in votes so yeah, yeah naturally he would be the next leader i think but yeah. Uh, yeah. he was bypassed and they um and they chose uh, bob Hoekstra instead yeah um, although at the time he didn't make a big deal of that you know he did he no. he went to bob Hoekstra's house they had kind of uh, talks to and reconcile uh, whatever needs to be reconciled, and th- that didn't seem to be a big issue. Um, he's a, he pledges loyalty to Vopka Hoekstra as the leader, and it's only now that he's uh, he's come out and said in this memo that he felt he'd been passed over. Yeah, which uh, w- w- which raises the question if if this is really what happened, because uh, he could have just demanded to be the new leader, right? He he won, yeah. he he almost won the the election, but he instead he went to Vopka Hoekstra's house. Uh, Lonneke opened the door. Rem- member, uh, Rob Hoekstra's mm-hmm. wife, who we never hear about uh, again, for strange reasons. Lisa Lot, she's called, isn't she? Lisa Lot? Oh, sorry, it was yeah. Lisa Lot. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Lisa Lot, uh, Hoekstra. <laughs> what did I say? I don't know. Doesn't he matter. said Lonneke. Yeah. Lonneke. Ah. <laughs> um, and he, he went uh, inside uh, Hoekstra's house. They spoke for a while and they stepped out together, um, suggesting that he, you know, gave his uh, blessing to, uh, to uh, Hoekstra as leader of the CDR campaign. So, yeah, it's um, that's that seems to be a little bit unlikely if he uh, if he talks uh, if if he if he now claims that this is what happened. So other things in the memo, um, for example, was the names that the CDA people have called him. He wrote that uh, he was called a, a sick man, a psychopath, and also 
teringhond. Uh, mm. Behind his back by other uh, CDA people. <laughs> Tubercular dog. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's also this, this amazing account called NOS Zij voor het Eerst, the NOS First Said, which sort of tracks uh, every time a new word on NOS.nl appears. So, uh, yeah, uh, last night all of a sudden you had a tearing hond in your timeline. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, that was very funny. Um, so, yeah, uh, this also doesn't surprise me that he is called behind his back th- these things because, you know, Omzicht is an independent MP. He is annoying. He, in a good way uh, for, for yeah. us uh, for us voters but you know from a party point of view he is just a very annoying guy and naturally if you if you take this uh, position uh, then uh, yeah you're going to cause some friction within your within your own party so yeah this doesn't surprise me no uh, that I mean he's, he's one of the coal- he's probably one of the most effective co- critics of the coalition um, yeah. and he's in a coalition party so yeah. not really surprising the ministers get a bit upset by that no and other yeah. and other party members yeah, yeah. Um, but great, but great for the rest of us, and especially if you're if you're a journalist, finding stuff, looking for stuff to write about. Exactly, or if you are a person whose uh, child benefit uh, uh, got taken away. Yeah. Um, he um, substantiated uh, these claims uh, with a screenshot of uh, WhatsApp conversations. It's also very nice, these, uh, these screenshots, of course. And uh, additionally, Omzicht wrote that uh, three people who, doesn't na- who he doesn't name donated 1 million euros in total to the CDA campaign, and they were given a big influence on the party manifesto. So, yeah, that's also a, a, a big accusation. Um, it's one of them, Sievert from Linden. Yeah, it, it's almost <laughs> as it, yeah, it, it can't be. It's too much a coincidence, right, that, that we have yeah. this uh, Sievert Gate who earned 9 million euros uh, out of taxpayers' money, and uh, 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 all of a sudden there is this, uh, this mystery uh, donation uh, yeah. <laughs> to the CDA party. That was that was more than a year ago, right? Well, he actually he, did the deal back in March yeah, last so year. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and he was advanced that, the money by the ministry, so you know he had it. Yeah, and after that, the party manifesto was written. So yeah, it could be. And Sievert van Linden was also a part of the uh, he was, party he was manifesto, involved in writing the manifesto, writers' so commission. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, we we need to find this out. Uh, yeah, in in the in his memo, he was also very critical about his party's share in the administrative culture of Rutte's third cabinet. This is also not new, of course, and he named the comments of CDA minister Hoekstra and Grapperhaus in the leaked transcripts of cabinet meetings on the child benefit uh, scandal. Um, and also the growing importance of uh, informal negotiations and talks where policies were outlined outside the Council of Ministers or the Tweede Kamer. Um, For example, these weekly coalition meetings on Monday, which we just talked about, and he called Mm -hmm. them unconstitutional, which is also not a a new criticism. Um, I think uh, what changed here is that uh, Peter Omtzigt won one-third of the CDA vote in the last election. So now he became, he he went from being a backbencher, an annoying back Bencher to someone who is literally the number two of the party. And now he has an electoral mandate and a foot to stand on with his criticism. And to see it all outlined like this in one document, uh, it seems to be very explosive. But in the end, mm. the bottom line is, is that it's not new, I think. This is all, uh, this is all uh, old news, basically. Yeah, it's kind of a summary of uh, what he said before, and it's uh, with one well, or two summary. Details, it's a very long and detailed list. Yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's all being put together in one document. Yeah, that's the new thing. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, do you, you sometimes hear people say that maybe Peter Omsicht uh, is going to split from the CDR party and form his own group. Uh, but so far, despite the fact he's been a very independent voice and a bit of a maverick MP, he's been actually been quite um, loyal to the party in the sense he always says he, he, he feels he is a CDR member and that's that's where he belongs. Do, do you think he's, he is, this is going to be the final break now? Um yeah i don't know i mean it seems to be if you if you all see it summed up like this it almost seemed hard to imagine that someone w could stay in a party if he's so dissatisfied with how things are going and uh, which direction the party is going and uh, also with the leadership uh, he's also very unhappy about it's almost yeah i mean but as you said he always stayed at the party even though we already knew these things so yeah, what what has actually changed? Not much, but you know, if you see it all, you know, on a document like this together, then you know, it seems to be the better thing would be to leave the party almost. Yeah, but if yeah, he, if he's really going to do that, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, he had so many other opportunities, right? So yeah, why yeah. would he? I guess yeah, I guess the other thing, the reason this will hurt more for the CDR is the, the, the timing is so bad, right in the middle of the coalition talks. Yeah. When the, when the party has lost seats in the election and so is, you know, it is a diminished party from uh, what it was in the last coalition. So Vodka Hoekstra already had quite a uh, quite a difficult task, um, uh, you know, uh, making sure that if he went into the coalition that he uh, that, that his party still wielded enough influence. Uh, this hasn't really done him, done him any favours. No, indeed. No. To be continued. Indeed. Nearly seven years after Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 was shot down on its way from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur, the trial of four men got underway at the High Security Court in Schiphol on Monday. Three Russian men, Igor Gherkin, Sergei Dubinsky and Oleg Pulatov, and one Ukrainian man, Leonid Karchenko, are charged with 298 counts of murder. The Dutch Prosecution Service say they supplied the book missile that was fired by pro-Russian separatists and struck the plane on July the 17th, 2014. All four men have denied the charges. None are appearing in the courtroom and only Oleg Pulatov has legal representation. Presiding Judge Hank Stainhouse said the case file contained 65,000 pages, uh, which is almost as long as Lord of the Rings. And hundreds <laughs> it's almost as long as a memo by <laughs> Peter Omser. It is. Um, and hundreds of hours of audio and video material. The trial revolves around three questions. Was the airliner shot down by a book missile? Was the missile fired from Russian-controlled territory? And were the four suspects involved in transporting and deploying it? What evidence has the court heard so far? So far, there's been a lot of uh, video and audio evidence from around the time the plane was shot down. So intercepted phone calls and social media messages uh, between the four men, which showed that initially they were euphoric because they thought they'd shot down a military jet. But then when they got to the crash site, they discovered it was a passenger plane and they were in a whole heap of, uh, heap of shit, basically. Yeah. Pulatov and Dubinsky both claimed they'd shot down a fighter jet, which attacked MH17. Uh, or rather, Pulatov kind of said, uh, this is the story we're going to put out. And sure enough, that's the story that Russia um, put around uh, as an explanation for the crash. Gherkin told Dubinsky he didn't believe most of the story about the fighter jet. But then later on in another trial, he gave evidence that MH17 had been shot down by a plane in midair. Hmm. The court was also shown maps and videos tracking the movement of the book missile uh, just before it was allegedly launched. The joint investigation team identified the launch site as a wheat field in eastern Ukraine. The defendants have denied they ever possessed a book missile and Russia has said all the videos were faked. 
Russia produced its own satellite images of the area, but the prosecution service said these images were manipulated, and in any case, they've uh, they received copies, and when they asked for the originals, they were told the originals have been destroyed. Hmm. Other photographs shown at a Russian press conference were found to have been photoshopped to include a book missile and anti-aircraft guns. Yes, Russian military intelligence apparently uses Adobe Photoshop for Windows. <laughs> I can also imagine it was like a sort of, you know, when you're sort of like doing a meme on Twitter and you just like have a picture of a field yeah. and you just, like, just crop in uh, a couple of random anti-aircraft uh, you know, missiles. That's, that's kind yeah. of level they're operating at, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't look very professional indeed. No. Yeah. The next hearing is scheduled for Thursday next week and the trial is scheduled to last at least until November. I suspect it's going to go on a bit longer than that. Probably, yeah. And if you uh, want to hear all ins and outs uh, about this process, uh, Molly Quell on Twitter follows it. Yeah. Uh, and she um, uh, live tweets about that. So uh, you can follow her if you want to know more about uh, this court case. Yeah. It's time again to say thank you very much to our lovely patrons, uh, the people who keep this podcast going and keep us stocked up with uh, stock waffles and uh, random uh, bits of orange gear. Mm. Have you bought any orange tat for, for this year's tournament, Paul? No, I no, not at all. Yeah. Did you? Uh, yeah, I have. I, I always oh. uh, make a point of uh, buying one piece of uh, orange paraphernalia for a football tournament. Um, the, the, huh. This year, I bought the socks from from Yumbo. There's been a, been a bit of opeth about this because Yumbo is not the yeah. official sponsor, but they've got lots of orange stuff in their shops. Um, all yeah. all from um, what's that guy called? Snollabukas or Snollabolikas? Snollabolikas. Yeah, a lot yeah. of orange stuff from Snollabolikas. Who, um, yeah, and then there's been lots of controversy because Albert Hein, the official sponsor, and they're complaining that Jumbo is selling lots of orange gear. And now um, the KNVB uh, is is mad at uh, Jumbo, right? They, yeah. Uh, they filed, they they uh, issued a formal complaint, but uh, Jumbo said no. Basically, Jumbo said fuck off. Yeah. And uh, yeah, now they uh, they're just doing their thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's been dismissed because Kanfei Bay said you're using a song that um, that is the like the women's team's official song, and you yeah. can't do that because you're not a sponsor. And Yumbo turned around and said, "Yeah, but we're actually promoting the singer who wrote and produced and performed the song. Yeah. So yeah. go away." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was said. Uh, this was almost an op of the week um, worthy uh, story, indeed. Yeah. It was. But to come back to our patrons, as ever, we always say thank you um, uh, to, to individually to, to everyone who becomes a patron sponsor. So thank you this week very much to. Alpinki Liberis for your support and your generous donation as ever we, we invite people as well to ask us questions and to tell us a bit about themselves uh, Alpinki said she moved to Amsterdam at the beginning of the pandemic uh, so she hasn't really much of, a, much of a social life so far so I hope that picks up for you when um, you know, on June the 20th on the 30th or maybe even sooner um, yeah. but she's also said uh, the one thing I was warned about before moving was that the Dutch are rude but she says, I'd like to report that Dutch rudeness is seriously malfunctioning. Uh, because so far, <laughs> every encounter I've had from the grocery store to the flower kiosks and the pharmacy, everybody's been delightful. So the question is, why on earth are the Dutch regarded as rude? Well, um, to be honest with you, um, as you said, you haven't had a, a social life uh, since, you've, uh, since you arrived here. Uh, when that changes, you will probably change your opinion on Dutch rudeness. And also the uh, horeca, the hotels, restaurants, cafes, they have been closed since you've been here. Uh, and once you go to a terrace, especially in Amsterdam, you will, uh, you will uh, uh, soon get to know what is Dutch rudeness. Yeah, you, you experience <laughs> the charms of Amsterdam service. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean the Dutch service in general at um, at restaurants or cafes is terrible, but in Amsterdam it is the worst of all. Yeah. 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 Alpinki says uh, she's uh, 
she's from Greece, so she says, and these are her words. Uh, By default, I take everything personally and wear my heart on my sleeve. So, hmm. um, yeah, well, you, you carry your zeal under your arm, as they say in, in Dutch, you, your soul under your arm. Yeah, well, uh, you're up for a bumpy ride. <laughs> yes, uh, and she has another question for us as well. Um, and she said she was listed to have the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, as we call it now, not the Janssen vaccine. Yeah, but, uh, she, she, and she says, uh, does that put me in a very exclusive club? Because of course, uh, the king and the prime minister also both uh, had it. So does that make me a Dutch VIP, she asks. Definitely, yes. yes. I think you are part of a very select group of, of people in the Netherlands who received the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So yeah, uh, and, and indeed, as you said, Mark Rutte and the king both uh, 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 got their shots from, uh, from that uh, brand. So yeah, you are indeed in a very exclusive group of people in the Netherlands. Yeah, nothing but the best. And that should be stamped in your yellow booklet, I think. Uh, yeah, no. If for, for I think if you got the uh, Janssen and Janssen vaccine, you'll get an orange booklet. Yes. If you'd like to join our band of uh, socially distancing patrons, log on to www.patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com/slash-dutchnewsnl. The Gouden Koets arrived at the Amsterdam Museum on Wednesday night, where it will be on display for the coming months. The 2800-kilo coach was hosted in the museum's courtyard in a secret operation, which took a little over two hours. The exhibition, called uh, Golden Coach, will focus on years of controversy surrounding the coach, which was a gift from the people of Amsterdam to Queen Wilhelmina on the occasion of her inauguration in 1898. The coach has undergone a five-year-long renovation and came under fire for depictions of colonialism. One of the side panels shows a woman figure representing the Netherlands who is offered gifts and goods by submissive people of color uh, who represent the colonies of the Netherlands, such as uh, Suriname and Indonesia. It wasn't the first time the Gouden Koets, which was traditionally used to transport the king from North Einde Palace to the Ridderzaal at the Binnenhof on Prinsjesdag, or as we call it, Budget Day, uh, which is the official opening of the parliamentary year. Um, already in 1898, socialists found the gift too decadent and too costly. Uh, the coach will be on display in a glass case on the museum's central courtyard until February 27th, and it is unclear if the golden coach will ever be used again by the royal family um, because of the co- colonial controversy, or if it will become a museum piece permanently. The king has said he is aware of the public debate, but he said he hasn't made a decision yet about the future of the golden coach. Okay, I'm just looking forward to all the people on Twitter piling in and saying this is a terrible example of cancel culture. You know, yeah. putting the golden coach in an exhibition on its own yeah. with the title "Golden Coach" is cancelling it. Yeah. yeah, people will say that. <laughs> you know, they will. Yeah, yeah, they will definitely <laughs> say that. Even though you know, it is it is a ghastly thing, right? It's, yeah, uh, it's. It, 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 yeah. I, I agree with the 1898 socialists. It's too decadent. It is. It is. Uh, it looks like something Trump would 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 buy as a coach. And I think the replacement it's a it's a glass coach which is uh, much uh, much smaller and much more much more appealing uh, taste much more appealing much more tasteful I think I mean if you ask a child what would a king uh, be driven in then they would point at the golden coach it looks like something that comes from a fairy tale but uh, the the glass coach is it's much nicer and much more tasteful so yeah I would uh, I wouldn't be ha- uh, unhappy if uh, if the golden coach would be uh, uh, put on display permanently in a museum yeah and then and the glass coach became the, the, the working coach yeah and there is a, another special exhibition opening in Rotterdam 
Uh, yes, uh, the Netherlands is celebrating 180 years of photography with a special show of 99 iconic Dutch photos at the Nederlandse Fotomuseum in Rotterdam. The exhibition is called Eregalerij van de Nederlandse Fotografie and it was opened by King Willem-Alexander on Wednesday and it will be on permanent show in the new wing of the museum. The show includes work by famous Dutch photographers such as Ed van Elkse, Viviane Assasse and Erin Olaf, uh, all of them I've never heard of, as well as an iconic portrait of rapper Tupac, which was apparently made by Dana Lixenberg uh, a few years before he died. And uh, there will also be other iconic Dutch photos, for example, and Frank's uh, passport photos will be there as well, as well as a, uh, a photo series made on a uh, plantation in Suriname. Right. Oh, that sounds really interesting. I'll try and get along to that. There's also a, uh, a blank portrait, uh, the 100th photo, which is blank. Right. And I believe... Not entirely sure what the idea was, but uh, uh, people who are visiting can submit photos and um, at some point it will be filled. Sports news. Uh, as we've already mentioned, the Euro 2020 Football Championships are kicking off this weekend and uh, the Netherlands are playing their first match uh, on Sunday in the Amsterdam Urena. There have been a few setbacks for Frank de Boer in the last week. On Wednesday, Manchester United's Donny van der Beek pulled out of the squad with a groin injury and Matthijs de Ligt is struggling with the same problem and may well miss the opening match against Ukraine. And that could mean Ajax's 19-year-old defender Julian Timber is drafted in to play alongside Stefan de Frey at the back. The other teams on Orania's group, Austria and North Macedonia, are playing each other also on uh, Sunday. All right, and uh, there's been a, a bit of upheaval about the Ukrainian shirts. Yes, uh, Russia filed a formal complaint with UEFA, the European football's governing body, about Ukraine's strip because it carried the words glory to our heroes. And that was hmm. seen as a reference to the civil war in 2014, which, among other things, of course, led to flight MH17 being shot down. UEFA uh, agreed with the Russians up to a point. Uh, they said the slogan was a political statement, which uh, they don't like, and ordered Ukraine to change it to glory to Ukraine. Ukraine, uh, I was reading this morning, have now appealed against this um, and are trying to get it changed back again. So back and forth. But the shirt design also contains an outline of the map of mm. Ukraine. But this version of the map of Ukraine includes the Crimea region and the regions of eastern Ukraine, which have been annexed by Russia. So this controversy mm. is going to run and run, basically. And presumably now Ukraine will make a crudely doctored video showing the shirts were actually made in Russia and spend the next seven <laughs> years denying all responsibility. Yeah. Is there any sport for people who hate football? Yes, there is, because the Euro Hockey League is going on right now in Amstelveen. Uh, this features men's and women's teams, and the Dutch are doing pretty well. Uh, the women's team won all three of their group matches, including a 10-0 win over Scotland. Uh, let's gloss over that. Uh, and, face, <laughs> and, and they face Belgium in the semi-finals on Friday afternoon. Uh, the men, they're through to the final. They're, they also had a semi-final against Belgium. Belgium were tournament favourites uh, before the event. Um, but the Dutch beat them in a penalty shootout, of all things, on Thursday. Hmm. So it shows the Dutch can win penalty shootouts when they involve yeah. a bit of skill. Yeah, as long as it doesn't involve a football, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so on Saturday, they will now play Germany, um, who, beat, okay. who beat England 3-2 in the other semi-final. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, who always says this? Uh, uh, every every championship is the same. Yeah. Uh, in the end, uh, Germany will win. No, that's Gary Lineker. Yeah, he said uh, yeah. Yeah, football's yeah. a simple game. 22 men kick a ball around and uh, in the end, the Germans win. Yeah, will that be the same thing for, uh, for, the for hockey? hockey as well? I don't know. Mm. I, I'm not that up on my hockey, but uh, all I know is that Belgium was, were, were the favourites before the tournament and the Dutch beat mm. them, so they're obviously in good form. Yeah. 
And there's also news from uh, Zandvoort. Yeah, uh, organizers of the Dutch Grand Prix in September. Uh, they want half of the 100,000 fans, uh, petrol head fans, people who really like fast cars and big noise, to go by bike. So I'm sure that okay. will uh, go down well. Uh, Zandvoort, of course, famously is not very accessible because it's uh, behind the well. dunes. There's only two. There's only one access road, um, and yeah. it's going to be completely sealed off. Uh, local residents can come and go from the south entrance, and um, buses carrying spectators will come in from the north. So it's going to be chaos, basically. Yeah, and there is a, there, there's also a train uh, running to Sandford, and uh, 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 the organization yeah is is hoping that everyone will go by train, even yeah. though in the Netherlands it might be um, uh, uh, common to go by train to these places. But you know there are also a lot of international uh, people visiting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, will they be aware that uh, that is what they are supposed to do? I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean they have expanded the station to uh, accommodate bigger trains and more passengers, but uh, even so, it's going to be uh, quite a tight squeeze. And of course, there might even be even more fans now because uh, Max Verstappen is doing quite well in, yep. in the Formula One season, even though his tire blew up uh, this uh, <laughs> five laps from the end of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, and yeah. he, he had a big stroppy fit and kicked the tires, and that was like, yeah. the iconic image. In a, in a pair of borrowed shoes, did he read about this? He'd he'd had to borrow no. he had to borrow a pair of boots uh, from one oh, of really? the uh, yeah from uh, I think uh, I can't exactly how the story went. It's like a New Zealand like. Um, one of the lesser team racers basically just lent Max his, his shoes, and so the, the, this guy now get, get, now now got his shoes back with, with, with uh, you know damaged from being kicked uh, kicked against uh, Max Verstappen's tires. <laughs> so he's got yeah. a story to tell. But he was very lucky because uh, uh, a few laps later, uh, it was um, uh, Lewis Hamilton who uh, ran off the track at the restart, right? So, yeah, they uh, restarted the race. Matt Max obviously was now out of the race, uh, and so he, he lost the chance to extend his lead in the drivers' championships. He was winning; he was leading at the time. Uh, but then Lewis Hamilton went off the off the track at the first corner, so he didn't get any points either. No, so uh, Max is still uh, leading the uh, the championship, right? Yeah, by four points. So, yeah. and they've had six races out of twenty three. So. I think this is the first time um, Max Verstappen is leading the the championship, right? We had like, this. Didn't, didn't we? Did we not have mentioned this um, in the Patreon section a couple of weeks ago? Somebody asked, "What's going to happen first, a cabinet or Max leading the yeah. leading the drivers' championship?" Well, I, I, yeah. So Max has won that bet. <laughs> that would have been my guess at the first place. So yeah, I, uh, I I was right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, he said, but his, his tires have seemed to be playing the role of Vodka Hoekstra in the coalition talks. <laughs> <laughs> or Peter Omsicht, maybe, actually, now I think yeah, about Peter it. Omsicht, yeah, Peter Omsicht, yeah, but who is the Lewis Hamilton? Who is the Lewis Hamilton of our formation process? Yeah, maybe Jesse Klaver, just, yeah. just veering off at uh, you know, when it's his opportunity to strike. Yeah, yeah, might be. Yeah, we, we're going to need to uh, wait a little bit longer to see who is the uh, Lewis Hamilton of the formation. Yeah. This is uh, yeah, an amazing story from uh, Doetinchem, where three conmen were arrested on Thursday after they fell into their own trap. Earlier that day, they scammed a 71-year-old man with a so-called WhatsApp trick. The trio sent a WhatsApp message from an unknown number to the poor man, claiming they were his daughter, who had a new number after her phone was stolen. They also told him his daughter, quote-unquote, quickly needed 1,200 euros, and if he could transfer that to her as soon as possible. He did this, but of course the bank account they sent wasn't his daughter's, but of the scammers. Only a few moments later, the man realized he was scammed, thinking uh, he could 
could say farewell to his money, his younger daughter came into play. She decided to set up a trap and contacted the man by sending a WhatsApp message to the unknown number, but she pretended that she thought she was speaking to her older sister. She told them that she heard about what happened and wanted to help. If she needed more money, she just had to ask. We could use grandpa's inheritance, she said, but that's only cash money. Uh, but that was, of course, not a problem for the con man. They requested another 2,500 euros, and claiming she wasn't at home, she told them she would put the money in an envelope in a trash bin so that they could come and collect it anytime they wanted. In the meantime, the younger daughter had contacted the police, and together they waited for the con man to show up, and just as they were about to give up, the trio arrived at 11 p.m. Initially, the police was only able to arrest two men, but the third was also arrested at 2.30 a.m. He was hiding in a bush in the same street for some reason. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't get that you- either. Yeah. Why would you hide three and a half hours in the same street? But okay, the the police confirmed the story to the Gelderlander uh, newspaper and they uh, said they were impressed by the setup of the younger daughter. So yeah, that's, uh, a lot of people um, uh, uh, f- fell for these kind of uh, tricks, right? This WhatsApp trick. So a lot of people have experiences with it. So I think uh, uh, that's why, uh, or, or anyone knows uh, an older people who fell for it, for yeah. example. So, I think everyone knows somebody who's had one of these messages from scammers uh, claiming... You know, oh, I've lost my phone and I need money. Please, please send it to this account. It's a very common type of scam. It's a very common type of scam. And a lot of people, you see it very often on the internet as well, that people will reply to that and are messing with these yeah. uh, with these scammers, uh, which also results in funny uh, conversations. Yeah. But yeah, uh, to, to see that they are finally, um, you know, getting a piece of their own cake, it's very pleasing. Indeed. Yeah, it's always nice to see people get their own back on the scammers. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it was, it was a really good setup by the daughter because she, she actually, when she left the envelope, wasn't outside her own house. House. she'd actually found a house in the neighborhood where she knew the people living there wouldn't be at home yeah yeah so she also thought about so that she planned yeah. she thought it through very well that's all we have for you this week this podcast is a production of dutch news which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we'll include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl and if you want to help us out please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash DutchNewsNL and earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast and the chance to ask us a question. My thanks to Paul Peters, I'm Gordon Derrick, and we'll be back next week. The twenty-eight-year-old uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the twenty-eight-year-old, twenty-eight hundred-year-old uh, no, not uh, Viola Holt. <laughs> <laughs> the twenty-eight hundred kilo Viola Holt. No, no, no. Uh, the twenty-eight kilo coach was hoisted no, in the museum's court. Twenty-eight hundred kilo. Oh, the twenty-eight hundred kilo coach. What, is this correct? Yes, yeah. it's correct. Well done. Okay, good. Uh, was hoisted in the. That can be the final outtake. Yeah, <laughs> the twenty-eight. <laughs> crying out loud. <laughs>